I'm Stefan Siddig, and welcome to American Theater Artists Online, where we talk with leading contemporary figures in American theater. If you've been enjoying the American Theater Artists Online podcast, I urge you to consider donating to help the artists who produce the theater that we all love so much. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, many performers, designers, directors, choreographers, stage crew, and theater administration staff are either without a job or in peril of losing their jobs. The Actors Fund provides assistance to artists to cover basic living expenses, such as food, essential medications, utilities, and more. If you love and enjoy theater, please consider donating to the Actors Fund today. Just go to actorsfund.org and press donate. My guest today is Emily Skinner, who has unequivocally established herself as one of Broadway's most engaging and versatile performers. She was last seen on Broadway in The Share Show, her other Broadway credits include Prince of Broadway, directed by Hal Prince in his final show, for which she received an Outer Critics Circle Award, Billy Elliot, Jekyll and Hyde, James Joyce's The Dead, opposite Christopher Walken, The Full Monty, and Dinner at Eight. Off-Broadway, Emily has appeared at City Center Encores, Manhattan Theatre Club, WPA Theatre, The Transport Group, Madison Square Garden, York Theater, Playwrights Horizons, and The Roundabout Theater. And she has performed lead roles at many of the major regional theaters across the country. Emily was nominated for a Tony Award along with Alice Ripley and received a Drama League Award for her performance as Daisy Hilton in the short-lived but now cult classic original Broadway production of Sideshow. Hi, Emily. Hi. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Thank you I'm so much for very... joining us. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for being on American Theater Artists Online, our podcast where we like to talk with leading contemporary figures in American theater. And as I was looking over everything that you've done so far, and you've got a lot more to do, uh, you have quite a wide variety of things. You've done lead roles on Broadway. You've done supporting character work um, on Broadway, off-Broadway. You've been in plays. You've been in cabarets, concerts. Um, I'm always really astonished at how much you've been able to do in such a short period of time. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you think so. I do. And, you know, one Hopefully of, there's more to do. There is, yes. And one of the things I noticed in as is over time, I've seen you on stage in so many different things that and you're so different in everything that you do. I feel sort of like you're, this is my coining you as sort of the Meryl Streep of the musical because you're... <laughs> You're completely different in every show you do. It's a complete different character. Well, thanks. I hope that means I'll work a long time. I think so. It does. So tell me, as since I said that, tell me a little bit about your approach because to creating a character. Do you, are you one of those people that has a really in-depth process and is it different from musical or play or do you just go with the flow? Does it depend on the director? What? How do you approach each role? Oh gosh! I mean, I, I trained as an I trained as an actor, so I approach everything, be it as a, a musical or a or a play. I, I approach it all from a you know a, like it's a, a play. Yes, everything is from an actor's perspective. It's funny. I was talking with somebody yesterday, and they were saying 
you know, you're such a lovely singer. I think that's, anybody ever comments on my singing, I'm always sort of amazed because I don't think of myself as a singer. I think of myself as an actress who can do a lot of stuff with her voice. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think that's really a smart way to just, you you know yourself well, because I I remember seeing you in uh, at the Kennedy Center in Mame. And as sure. Agnes Gooch, and nobody would have been like, well, the only thing I know about that character is singing. Clearly, it's an acting role first, although she has a great, great song. But yeah. Um, yeah. you're right. You're right. Absolutely. And so you, do you seek out those kind of roles or do they just have fallen in your lap because of your abilities? Or I think, yeah, I think they're the kind of roles that, that, that fit me. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. I've, 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 yeah. I mean, it's funny because even when I was in my, my 20s and in your 20s, you're, you're sort of, if you're a you know, young blonde girl, you're going to be sort of pegged to be playing ingenue parts. I was never very good at that because I always, I, I, you know, your role as an ingenue is to look pretty and sound pretty. And that's kind of it. Right. And that always seems so boring to me. Right. No, I always, yeah, that sure. was, you know, no, totally. I just I was always interested in, in other stuff. I never wanted to play those roles. I wanted to play, you know, uh, all of Dorothy Loudon's roles, uh, even when I was twenty. <laughs> <laughs> a little premature. Well, that's great. No, but uh, you know, and that, that I think that shines through in all your work that I've seen, and you know, just even very recently, um, seeing you in the Cher show, I was amazed when I opened the program. Wait, she's playing Cher's mom. She's way too young to play Cher's mom. That was my first thought. But then you, and then also Lucille Ball. Right, Lucy too, yes. and then you inherited yes. the characters so different. Each one is so completely different. I think the audience was completely entranced, and I think some of them wondered if it was really the same actor playing those two roles. I don't think they believe you, Emily. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, it's funny they didn't credit me with Lucy in the program because they wanted it to be a surprise for the audience, right? Um, which I, I I really quite enjoyed. And interestingly, Cher's mother. Georgia was the one who knew Lucy. She had been she had been an actress in, in lots of um, things in the fifties and sixties. Lose the Lucy Show and um, Ozzie and Harriet and stuff like that. And she was a friend of Lucy's, and she was the one who said to um, to share when she was sort of agonizing about whether to split from Sonny or not. She said, "You should call Lucy and, and talk to Lucy about this because Lucy has been through that herself with Desi being, right. being part of a famous showbiz union and then splitting." You know. Oh wow! Well, so here we go. Now I'm starting to understand why you're such a good actor. Research. I like the research. That's yeah. Right. So you like to do the deep. fun part. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I agree. I agree. So well, so I mean, look, you've been involved with some pretty interesting productions. I, I, I would say historic in, in many different ways. And I hope, you know, you don't think I'm overblowing it, but we can talk about, um, I'm trying to go here in a little bit of the backwards order, maybe, but um, let's talk a bit about your work with Hal Prince on Prince of Broadway. Uh, I mean, that's a huge, uh, huge, uh, you know, thing for you to be able to be a part of and say you were a part of. And it was his last show that he directed, correct? Yes, it was. How, yes, it was. How was that experience for you? Well, you know, it was interesting because I, I have I had sort of a weird history with Hal. Um, back in two thousand three, I did a show at uh, Playwrights Horizons that was called My Life with Albertine. It was a, a, a musical adaptation of of uh, um, Proust's Remembrance of Things Past. Oh, wow. If you can imagine, if you can imagine that, no, that's that, yeah, that's interesting. The wow. musical theater subject. Wow. But I played, I played a couple of different things in, in that, and, and one of the things I played was that I played a, a lesbian chanteuse mm-hmm. in it. Yeah, and I, 
I had been doing doing this show for a couple of weeks, and one day uh, I got a letter at the at the theater, um, and it was from Hal Prince. Say, and it was a really nice note saying, hi, you know, this is Hal, and I just wanted to let you know, I thought your performance in the show was so stunning, and we're going to work together one day. Wow. Um, and I I remember reading the card, and I was like, is this a joke? Yeah, it's somewhat putting you on. I have a candid camera. Oh. Oh, bro, with this. Because <laughs> that just doesn't happen. That's right? like, come on. And just amazing um, that he went to see you unknown, right? He didn't, he didn't. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Yeah. yeah. So set, cut to, cut to, hold please. When was it? Oh, God. 2000, uh, uh, wait a minute, 2009. Yeah, 2009. I get a call from him in his office saying, I've been working on a, a project. Uh, it's a new musical that I've been writing with Richard Nelson. Uh, we're going to take it to the Donmar Warehouse. Um, and I'd really love for you to be a part of it. Will you come and, and do some readings of it in, in my office for me? And I was like, sure. Mm. So I, I did that and I was so excited to, to go over and, and to, to be, do something in the West End. I was very excited. And then I got offered Billy Elliot. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it completely conflicted with that, and I, I, I knew I was. I just had to take Billy because I, I just thought this is such a good role. I can't turn this down. And in, um, in Billy Elliot, you played the dance teacher, right? Yeah, uh, what I played a fun Mrs. Role. Wilkinson. Mrs. Wilkinson. And that, yeah, and I, I had to tell Hal that I wasn't going to be able to do the, the oh, West End oh. thing, and I, I thought, oh God, this is going to burn my bridge with him, and sure. he's never going to talk to me again, and whatever. Um, and then. Two years later, in 2011, I got a call from him saying, so I'm working on a new show, and it's going to be a retrospective of my my uh, career. We're going to call it Prince of Broadway. Uh, and I'm, I'm choosing performers that I really like and have worked with or have always wanted to work with, and we're going to tailor the show around them. Um, wow. And I thought, and you're calling me? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Well, and he described to me what I was going to do in the show. And at the time, this was 2011, it was totally different than what I ended up doing in the show. I see. <laughs> which just was really entertaining. Um, but uh, so we, we did some readings of that. And then we did, um, we did a uh, production of it, a, a sort of triad production of it in Tokyo. Mm. And then we ended up doing it in, uh, in um, New York. And over the course of that, just working on that show, I... I got to spend so much time with him. And I mean, there is nothing better. There has been nothing better in my career than to sit in a room with Hal Prince and have him tell you stories about his life. I mean, because he, he's worked, he worked with everybody under the sun. And not just as a director, he was a producer early on. Oh, everybody. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And he, he just blew my mind. Like there's one story that he told me that I still think about this to this day, and I think that's astounding. In the '60s, um, Barbara Baxley, who was uh, um, uh, a very high up member of the actor studio, came to him and said, "Hal, we'd like you to we'd like you to, to be the president of the actor studio." Mm. And Hal said, "I am so honored. I can't do that because <laughs> I don't know anything about acting." Ah. I don't know anything about it. What I know is about creating shows. Right. That's what I know about. And I think I think actors are magical creatures. Mm. Yeah. I, I think, and I have more respect and love for actors than anybody out there. But as far as being able to to dissect what they do, I have no idea at all. So this would be it wouldn't be right for me to wow. to take that role. <laughs> and I think about and I think what other director. 
doctor in the history of the world would be that humble. Yeah, the humility to that, to, to be able to look that. at that. Yeah. Nobody else I know. Right. And the fact that he saw himself as as really a person who puts a show together, which is really yes. a unique, that's a unique he, skill. He saw himself as a creator. And mm-hmm. one of his very smart strengths was that he hired people who could direct themselves yeah, so that he could direct the show. Right. It was yeah. a very, it was a whole different thing. Well, it's a huge, a huge endeavor, as you know. It is a massive endeavor. And I mean, oh my God. And so here you are in Prince of Broadway getting to do numbers and shows that you didn't do originally, you know, from shows that you didn't work on with him originally. But it's, a, it's, it's really a wonderful twist of fate that you got to eventually work with him and he wanted to work with you on this very special project, which was about him, really, in his life yes. and career. Yes, yes. It was meant to be. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and he, he's funny because he just would, he would always sort of talk about the humility. He would say, well, you know, I was just in, I was just in the right rooms at the right time, hmm. you know? I, 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 and then when I got in those rooms, I worked hard. Yeah. You oh, know? That's great. Yeah. I, that's <laughs> he always sort of chalked it up to luck, and you're like, no, no. it's more than luck. Well, Come yeah, and, and, and the hard work piece, right? And so I'm sure, I'm right. sure that, and he probably identified that in the different people that he chose. He wanted people, yeah. I'm sure, that could 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 follow him and go along with him on that journey to do those the, yeah. those creative experiences. What a wonderful! I mean, I read that in your bio, and I was like, "What a great!" I knew you had been in that show, but I didn't re, I didn't put together that it was his final show. So that must have been a special it thing. It was. Yeah. Yeah. What a yeah. great I honor! Feel very, yeah. very lucky to have been been work, yeah. have worked with him wow. at all. Yeah. Wow. So that, that's one of the ones that I noticed as I was looking through. Okay, that's pretty historic, right there. And then the other one is the big one that, you know, usually we wait and we talk about it at the end. But I, I'm such a huge fan of the show that I don't know how to, how to not talk about it really soon which, in, this, in this interview, which is Sideshow. The original production of Sideshow in 1997, I believe it was, on Broadway that you were uh, together with Alice Ripley playing um, Daisy yes. Hilton and Violet Hilton. And you were, yes. to- you were Tony nominated together with her, which is interesting, for the, uh, that original production, which I think to this day remains, a, I wouldn't know, cult? You call it a cult classic? Even, you know, I, I think it's kind of getting up there. <laughs> that makes it sound like Rocky Horror. That's right. It's kind of a, well, it's kind of, you know, I mean, I, it's one of those cast recordings a lot of people have listened to and perhaps didn't get to see the original production. Um, and mm-hmm. they listen to it over and over. It's one of the most beautiful cast recordings. So talk a little bit about how the role of, and I'm, you know, we're, we're jumping around time-wise. And so you know, for those who want to follow in chronology, they can go look up your bio. But, but we're, we're jumping around. And Daisy Hilton in Sideshow, what was it like putting that show together or working on that show for you? And you know, to have it become a Tony nomination later, it's amazing. But what was the pr- process like for you of that amazing show? auditioned for a reading of that show um, back in 19, I think it was 1995. Mm. I think it was 1995. It was 1995 or 96. I think it was 1995. One of the very first, I think they don't, they don't, they've done maybe one reading before, uh, uh, sort of rudimentary reading. I auditioned for this reading and I, and I got it. Uh, and they had cast a, a wonderful woman um, named Lisa DeSimone uh, as uh, Violet opposite me. 
Uh, and then um, we did a couple more readings, uh, and they they used a, a fantastic woman named Kate Kaufman hmm. opposite me. And then they decided to do a. Um, a workshop, a full-scale workshop. That was back in the time, they don't do this anymore, when they would workshop full shows, meaning four to six weeks of, of rehearsal. You, you stage the production fully, and we did it in a Broadway theater. We wow. actually did it in a, a dark Broadway theater at the time. Um, and uh, at that point, they, um, they, were, uh, they wanted to sort of cast it, really cast it um, for in thinking that after the, the workshop they would just move it right to Broadway uh, and so they had me come in and read with a bunch of um, different possible violets and uh, I remember when Alice came in she walked in the door and I thought I've seen that girl I've seen her <laughs> and I, I realized while we were saying it there I was like I realized I had seen her play Mrs. Walker and Tommy ah uh. Yes, she'd been she'd been in the ensemble of that, and but, but then was sort of the understudy for Mr. Mrs. Walker, and ended up going on a lot in that role. Mm-hmm. And I saw her, and I remember the time sitting up in like the second balcony and going, "That girl reminds me of me." <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? Which oh is, my god! Which is only funny in retrospect, right? You know? At the time, not um, so much, but yeah, yeah. But we auditioned together, and, and we, you know, the first time we sang together, we sort of both of us looked at each other and went, "Oh, this is really interesting. This is an interesting sort of." vocal chemistry that we have that is is really cool that's a great great way um, to put it vocal chemistry is absolutely right you guys blend yeah, in, in a way that yeah. uh, it's unheard of and um so so then you're with alice alice is brought on board and you're both you both start this this journey of taking it to broadway so that was yeah that was in that workshop was in uh yikes 2006 no wait a minute i'm sorry 1996 yes 1996 i do the same and, thing uh, <laughs> i forget yeah it. i think alice alice was doing um what was she doing she was doing uh sunset boulevard at the time and i was about to start doing jekyll and hyde right um and she we were uh the first i remember the first couple of days of it they they had a corset made for us um that was sort of like this sort of the contraption that we got into and it was it was kind of sewn together mm. and we we would sort of walk around in it together and try to try to learn the choreography in it together for yeah. for a couple of days and then we kind of after a couple of days we were like eh we don't need that mm-hmm. so we, <laughs> we stopped doing that right um yeah and then you just stood uh, so for the actual show you just stood next to each other yeah we That's just stood next to each other the magic but of I theater to, <laughs> i always so enjoyed it when people would would walk to the stage door and, and somebody would say, I saw that your costume was sewn together. And, you're like, <laughs> and I think, was it? Was it? No. <laughs> because you, you saw a split in the show. So right. how would that work? Yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> the things in people's minds no, that they're watching. they were not just sewn together. Um, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. But then, then yeah, and then we did the full production in 97. Wow. Yeah. So it was an interesting journey. Yeah. Interesting uh, evolution. Broadway shows have fascinating evolutions. Nowadays, it's it's different. Now, what happens is producers tend to um, develop shows via developmental labs, right? Which are these sort of extended, like two week workshops, and they'll do they'll do a series of those, and then they'll they'll either do an out of town thing or or move it straight to Broadway. Well. yeah, and I know that there was a revival recently, obviously, but, I, I, but uh, putting that aside, you think if Sideshow, the production you did, had been started now, 
with this new process that you're talking about, where you have a chance to kind of go and, and experiment, do the lab, do a little bit more of a fully, not, not in New York. Do you, do you think it would have run for longer? Or do you think no? That, no, no, I don't. I think it's. I think well, you, you saw what happened with the with the revival. I think this show is too hard of a of a of a sell for people. They hear it's about uh, Siamese twins, and they yeah. think it's about something exploitive or weird or mm-hmm. or off putting. Nobody's quite figured out how to market this show, right? In, in my in my opinion, and um, that's part of the the issue of it. I think. Mm. I also think it's just a big ask. For audiences, yeah. I know we we just had such a hard time getting people in the seats, and then when people we did have you know people in the seats, they went wild for it. But just getting people to come to right. something that just sounds like this weird thing, yeah. it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful score, uh, and and you guys sing it beautifully. And it's funny when we were talking about you and Alice together, where that that began there. But you guys have really um, become almost like sisters, it feels to us, you know, watching on the audience, because you've now developed these ongoing um, albums, shows. Uh, over time, you've really developed amazing uh, work together. You have a whole catalog of work together that is beyond Sideshow. Yeah, well, you know, we, we always enjoy doing stuff together, and people like hearing us and seeing us together. So, you know, we've, we've done a lot of stuff together. Now you've got four albums uh, you have some cabaret shows, right? That you've done some shows together. I know the most recent was called Unattached, which I think is a brilliant title. <laughs> yeah, we've we've only done one cabaret show. Oh, together. one. We've oh, I'm sorry. Done... I thought you had done yeah, several shows. Just, just one. Okay. Didn't yeah. want to beat the donkey dead. There you know? go. That's right. You uh... got to keep it, keep it, keep it real. Keep people wanting more. <laughs> right? But the four albums, the duets, unsuspecting yeah. hearts, um, yeah. uh, and and then Un- Unattached is the last one I remember. But uh, it, it's so great for us so thank you the audience appreciates your your guys working together because we oh really you're so it. kind no it's wonderful we really like it so talk to me more a little bit about um you know because we talked about musicals a lot uh a few musicals that you've worked on um but i think it's awesome that you are as you said an actor first and one of the things that i i know recently you we were involved in was a production of picnic at the transport group uh, where you got a Drama Desk um, nomination for your role as Rosemary. And I mean, that's, that's you know, not a musical. <laughs> it's a play. And it's a really, <laughs> it's not, not a musical. musical. And it's a well-known, <laughs> difficult, um, it's a, I think a difficult acting role um, that you excelled at. And so what was that like getting to play uh, Rosemary in the in Picnic uh, and, and being able to sink, sink your teeth into something, you know, where you didn't have to, belt out tunes <laughs> oh great i mean i i love doing plays I, I it's a it's a little hard when you get pegged as a musical theater person to sort of even get seen for plays but every once in a while i i am and i and i i love i love doing them um this was you know i love william inge uh nobody writes about um loneliness better than William Inge, I think. Oh. Tennessee Williams can maybe rival him a little bit, but but he really captures what, what it is to be what it is to be lonely and to be desperate for validation, mm. which I think um, that's a pretty universal theme, yeah. you know. Um, and and Rosemary is such a such a complicated, interesting character, and I, I love playing complicated 
women because I'm complicated, you know. <laughs> um, so it feels so much more authentic than having to play some sort of one-dimensional thing. Um, she's somebody who spends, you know, 95% of her energy putting up this great big facade because she doesn't want people to feel sorry for her. Mm. Um, meanwhile, she's, you know, in her room, her lonely room at night, you know, crying her eyes out. Um, but that sort of the sort of paradoxicalness of, of her is fascinating, fascinating to play. And there is a, a scene in Picnic between Rosemary and her longtime boyfriend, Howard, that I remember I had read this scene back in college um, in a text analysis uh, class. Mm. And I remember at the time thinking that is one of the best scenes in the musical, in, in, in the theater ever. Mm. It's the best four pages of writing. Um, it's like a nine-act play in these four pages. Wow. And so when he called and um, Jack Cummings, who runs the transport group, called and said, would you do this? Uh, all I could think was, yes, I will absolutely do that because I get to play that scene. Wow. Oh, great. <laughs> That's amazing. And I so, got to play it with my friend John Cariani, who's one of my favorite people in the whole world. So yes. we, we just had a blast. Oh, wow. Well, so, you know, that shows your your interest, deep interest in acting first. Uh, you know, like you said, you're an, an actor who sings, which I think is a great approach for anyone who's in musical theater, personally. But, um, and you talked about going to college, and I know you went to Carnegie Mellon, so that must have been uh, part of your foundation of that, you know, d- delving deep. But even prior to that, you know, about getting your start in theater, if I could take a little bit of a trip back, uh, was this something you always wanted to do? Was musical theater something, or theater, I should say, not just musical theater, uh, something that you always wanted to do? Or did you have someone who who guided you or influenced you or something you saw or a mentor <laughs> growing up? Well, here's the weird little story of me. When I was a kid, when I was a little kid, when I was, you know, four or five years old, I was really hyperactive. Mm. Like I was that little kid you, you look at, you know, running around, tearing around and you think, Oh, please put that kid on Ritalin. Please. Put that kid on. <laughs> that's oh, what they do God. these days, I guess. These days that's what they <laughs> yeah. do. Back then it was theater for you. <laughs> or dance. Well, they, um, they, I, I was so out of control. I just couldn't mm. sort of fit, sit down and focus. They were not going to pass me on from kindergarten to first grade. Oh, wow. Uh, and my parents were getting really worried. And um, at some point towards the end of the year, the kindergarten, kindergarten teacher came to me and said, okay, Emily, you are going to get 15 minutes every day to entertain the class. Oh, wow. And then when that is done, you have to sit down and be with the class for the rest of the day. But you're going to get these 15 minutes every day. What a smart what that, a smart approach. I know. Is that a genius teacher or not? To genius. be able to sort of identify, yeah. oh, that's what that kid needs. Wow. This kid, yeah, this kid needs that. Not Ruland. <laughs> right. This kid, needs to, this kid needs her 15 yeah. minutes to get up there right, and do her, right. do her thing. But that was kind of opening Pandora's box wow. for me. And, uh, you know, a month into that, you know, I would, I would, you know, take Jackson 5 records in and lip sync to them. And I would do puppet shows <laughs> and God knows what other weird stuff I did. Um, but the, the kindergarten teacher called my mother and said, I just think you should know. I'm pretty sure you have a performer on your hands. Wow. And you might want, to, might want to do something with that information. I don't mm-hmm. know. And so my mom put me in the dance class, and I, I started auditioning for community theater. Um, and very, very soon, I kind of realized that that was going to be that was going to be 
what I want to do for the rest of my life. Wow. I, I really sort of knew it very, you know, at like seven or something. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, and here you are in central Virginia, right? Because I know you, you were, I think you were born in Richmond, right? You grew up in, in central yes. Virginia. And um, yeah. Richmond's a great town, a great theater theater city. It has a lot of opportunity sure for kids. People it don't sure People don't think of it that way, but it is. Oh, great. The city of cultural riches, arts riches. It was a great theater there growing up, um, both professional theater and community theater, and uh, the, the city really supports it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, I, I got lucky and I was sort of in, in the right in the right city for that. And am I, am I right that you were a student at Spark at the School of the Performing Arts? And you and Jason was. Mraz, was Jason Mraz? Yes, right. <laughs> You guys are the, the stars of Spark that, that, uh, that lit the Spark. But I mean, it's a great school. I taught there for a few yeah. years when I lived in Richmond. It's a really great great school. Yeah, oh. I was in Richmond for four years for grad school. And then I stayed an extra year because theater was so amazing there. As an actor, I could actually do yeah. show to show to show and get paid. It was something really weird. Uh, so you have your <laughs> you not usually get to do so. Amazing. Yeah, so you have your foundation. You're in Richmond, and then you you go off to college to Carnegie Mellon, which must have been a, a whole new world for you. Um, and then did you start then to hone in more on the singing part with the acting, or was it always together, or how did you approach it? Well, you know, I did growing up. I did musicals and I did plays. I did sort of, I did both, and mm-hmm. I continued to do both at, at Carnegie Mellon. Um, but the the focus at CMU, at least when I was there, I'm not sure what it is now. But when I was there, it was very much they they produced actors who could also sing and dance. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's re- that was really their their focus, um, and so that the the acting training was very strong. Um, yeah, and very, very concentrated. And I, I mean, I learned how to do everything in the theater. You know, at most of these conservatory places, you have to do crew, yeah. um, which basically means you're, you know, for the, the main stage shows that are happening, you're on the lighting crew, or the electrics crew, or the costume crew, or the, the, you know, stage building crew, stage running crew. You learn how to sort of do every role there is to do in the theater, which I think is a really good thing for anybody who wants to be in the theater mm. because you realize that it's not just about you. Right. You know, which is a very good thing for an actor to understand. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just about you. Absolutely. There's a whole group you around are a, you. You are, a small, you are a part of this, mm-hmm. you know, but there's a, lar- there's a larger picture. Right. You know? Going on all around That's you. What, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. And so you got a lot of that when you were at, at Carnegie Mellon. You started to get yeah. that influence. And then from Carnegie Mellon, were you one of those people that went straight to New York? Or did you try to do like a regional thing for Like some people try to get some, you know, roles under their belt. Or did you just go for it? You know, I had been, and in the summers, I, I, I worked professionally in the summers in between, um, mm. you know, um, in college. And so by the time I got to senior year, I really just thought, you know, I'm just going to go for it. I'm just yeah. going to move there with my two suitcases and my $50, you know, right away. Um, and I was, I was very lucky. I got it. I got an agent, um, mm. pretty fast. And, um, I, uh, I booked, a the very first job that I booked in New York, I booked it within like a month of moving there. Um, and that was the workshop of Jekyll and Hyde. Aha. Uh-huh. Yes. Um, yeah. So I, 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 I got pretty, pretty lucky in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then I didn't work for nine months after that. So you know, <laughs> I, I was like, this is going to be easy. Then you have, oh, then well, you, this is great. Then, and then you had the typical so. actor actor experience after. <laughs> right. right. Well, you know, it's funny. Some right. people that I interview and talk to, they have the the kind of you know waiting a long time to get the the break, quote unquote. And then yeah. there's a lot of other people like like you're talking about where you get something and it sounds good and you start and it's it's a, it's a job and then you get a little bit of a break after and then you're like okay and then that could be a little more panicky uh, than waiting into the one big thing. I don't know what's well, worse. Well, that's that's <laughs> when the reality of being an actor fits in. Yeah, fits in. Do you know what I mean? Which yeah. I which I think that's that's good and you need to know what that is and you need to know early on to see if you can hack it. Yeah. Truth be told, you know, because this is a life in the theater, a life in showbiz to begin with is a stamina exercise. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, stamina you know? and longevity. Somebody and... told me years ago, you know, if you can just stick it out, you uh-huh. will eventually work. But uh-huh. you will find not everybody can stick it out. Right. Not everybody has has the whatever to be able to stick it enough, right. you know. And so I didn't realize. So Jekyll and Hyde was really one of your first uh, big big experiences there, and that was a uh, you were, if I'm not mistaken, you understudied, right? Or you stand by or understudied the the lead as well as the other female part, right? I was I was in the ensemble, and I understudied ensemble. both female leads. <clears throat> That's that huge. That's yeah. a huge lift. And then you you got to do the parts. Oh, quite a while. Yeah, a few times, I if I recall. I mean, this is just from reading the news. I remember that you were in. Was that? Do you feel like that was where people started to go? Oh, her. Oh, wow. She's she's great. I mean, where did, did you start feeling you were getting discovered at that point, or was it not really? Or was that a time Jekyll and Hyde, or was it later? Let me think. Well, you know, before that, I had done um, a Christmas Carol. Ah, that's right. At Madison Square Gardens, which Alan Menken and and um, Lynn Aarons had written. And, and Mike Ockrent directed and Susan Stroman choreographed. Um, so that was the first time I got to I got to sort of work with a sort of Broadway crew. Not too shabby. Um, not too shabby of a crew there. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Great, oh. great group. An originated role and a, and a, and a great piece. Mm-hmm. So that was sort of the first time. And I think that was the first time people people sort of saw me and went, oh, that girl's... That girl's interesting. That girl's versatile. Right. Well, that's when they put you on your on their radar, and they start to kind of think of you for. That's amazing. And then, so then the Jekyll and Hyde thing came after that, and then and then you also got to be in. So I think it's interesting. We're talking about how you really like to act, uh, and and the singing, but they're you know they're they're both together, um, and you like them equally, and then you get to do something like James Joyce's The Dead opposite Christopher Walken. For someone who loves to act, that must have been quite a treat. You know, that may be my favorite thing I've ever done on Broadway. Oh, that show. good. I'm glad I, I'm glad uh, I brought it up. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you why. Yes, um, do. That show was so alive. Mm-hmm. That show was, if you if you know the story mm-hmm. um, of the dad, it takes place at a dinner party in Dublin on Christmas Eve. Um, and so it was all, it was an hour and a half long, and it was all in real time. At a, at a party, mm-hmm. at, a, at, a, at a very, very alive party that was different every single night. Mm. You know, so much of, of Broadway you're doing eight times a week is is you're you're like a it's a machine, and these, there's these large shows, and, and you're everything has to be the same in order for it to operate mm. correctly every time. But this was so alive and different, and. Um, it was so fun to work with Chris because, you know, Chris never liked to do uh, the same thing twice. So he kept it right. <laughs> for right. real life, yeah. which was very fun for, you know, fun for all of us. Sure. Um, he would sometimes, he always had these, these pockets, 
in his, his jacket and he made them sew in these gigantic pockets and we never knew it was going to be in those pockets and sometimes he would, <laughs> he would have pickles in there and pull them out and eat pickles or he would have peanuts and, and shell them and throw the shells at us or you know one time he pulled out a pair of scissors and started cutting his hair I mean like he's just just, <laughs> just, just like it's just what can I do to, to make this you know completely fresh right every time and it does that that show more than a lot of other shows you know especially that have music in them it really feels almost like a play with music more than a musical as you said it was it was very much a play with music and this one of the uh, such a sadness is that it never got recorded we i wish we had a cast album for that show it was written by a fantastic uh irish composer with beautiful music in it um and i still don't know why we didn't we didn't do a, a cast album yeah, I was going to ask um, you if you knew why. Cause... Yeah, no, I'm, I'm still not sure. And it's such a shame because I'm always a little sad for, for musicals that don't get cast out because that's where they where they where their their legacy comes from. Yeah, if you, As you know, to see with, it. With, with yeah. Sideshow. So many yeah. people didn't get to see Sideshow, but that that cast album eked its way out into the world and mm-hmm. it's the became imprimatur. sort of a, a culty thing. Yeah, it's the mark. Yeah. It's the mark and the yeah. imprimatur of that show. And so much so that I, this is maybe a personal thing, but I, once I get really into the cast recording, it's really hard for me to listen to another production of whatever it may be. And I feel bad for all the revivals that come after of whatever show because I'm always so into the, you know, but it's good when people do new and fresh things, of course. But but I really wish there was, yeah, a cast recording of James Joyce's The Dead. That's That would be something for all of us to have those performances captured. There's a, a recording, right, from the Tony, was it the Tonys that you guys did a number? Am I right? There's something. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. if people want to look for that on YouTube, they can try to find it because uh, there's something of a, of a feel of what that what the show was like. What an amazing experience. Great. Well, so talk to me a little bit about, you've been doing a lot now. You've, you've, you've done a lot of different styles as we've already gone through shows and, and plays. Uh, and now you're looking at your, what I guess I would call, I don't know, um, the second half of your career. Because you've, you've, you've done a lot for a very young person, but you've got a lot ahead of you. Uh, and, and so I keep thinking, what if you had your druthers, what, what would you, what would Emily Skinner want the next um, 50 or so years to be like for her? On, if, on stage, off stage, not? Um, would you want to do more, more plays, more musicals? Um, would you want to do something different, not theater? <laughs> what, do you, what is your thought for the next Oh, you know, I, I really like, um, I, I love, I'd like to do more plays, definitely. Yeah. But I'd also, I also really love helping develop new works. Ah. There's something really thrilling about that, uh, about getting to be part of the developmental process. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my most sort of rewarding things have been, have been around that. Uh, so, so more of that, more helping to, to, birth new works into the world. Right. Oh, that's a great, that's a great ambition to have then. And do you, would you, um, have you been interested in film and TV or is it, are you much more just focusing on theater or are you open to all those things? I mean, gosh, I'm open to, all things and I've, I've certainly done TV and film but I'm, yeah. my, my career is in the theater yes. you know or right. it, it has been and I mm. I really think of myself as a theater actress yeah and what would you so I guess what would you say to the younger people that are now coming up you know there's I've got students I teach I'm sure I don't know if you've you've mentor or coach or you have students that you work with or younger folks that are in their teens and 20s that are coming up 
Um, what is something that you've learned that you want, if you could pass on to them, you would so far? Oh, God. I could write a book. My God. <laughs> well, take your time. Uh, but no, I mean, you know, I have a lot of young people who listen to this podcast, so who are interested in theater, right, and who want to pursue a career, and I guess that's why I ask you that question. It's a big question to ask, I know. So whatever. Well, you know what? When I was at Carnegie Mellon, Carol Channing came and talked to us. Oh. She, yeah, she was in, in Pittsburgh doing something, and she, she came to our school and talked to us. I will never forget. Somebody asked her this question, and her answer was, be nice to everyone. Good answer. That was, that was her answer. And she said, be nice to everyone, because you never know... You never know what's going to happen in life and who people are going to become. And, you know, that that boy who was, you know, getting coffee for the, the director may turn out to be running Lincoln Center 10 years from now. Do you absolutely, know what I mean? So absolutely. <laughs> no, no, I think, I think you you're, no, that's a great I, that's great advice. And so obviously it stuck with you. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I, I, that's one thing I've heard. You know, a lot of people, when I was saying, oh, I think I'm going to interview possibly Emily Skinner. Oh, she's so nice. Like the people I knew. <laughs> she's such a great person. You know, so I, th- I think that's important to, to if, you're a, if you're a kind, good person, you know, and, and, and stick up for yourself, obviously. But if you are just, um, you know, open and kind, those, those things will come back around, you know, like it did for you with Hal Prince. human being and a good human being who you know is is pleasant to work with with a, a good work uh, ethic people are going to want to work with you you Absolutely. know so, so aspire to be those things yeah I so, guess. yeah you, you heard you heard carol loud and clear and then you took it, yeah. you took it to heart see that's important <laughs> so hopefully hopefully someone else is listening to this podcast who's in college and going oh well, she's right. Okay, I better, I better, yeah. you know, yeah. But so let's talk a bit about moving forward then, the future. The, you know, we're in this pandemic now, which is, you know, put us all on this pause, temporary, sure but it's a long yeah. pause. And everyone's sort of in the same boat. You know, I was talking to other friends of mine who were in the theater who said, you know, well, it's not like everyone else is getting to perform and we're not. Uh, you know, we're all kind of stuck, you know, on pause. So yeah. some stuff has moved online, which is great. Yeah. And people, you know, theaters are doing their best to get projects online. Do you, what do you think about that? And Or do you have anything that you're interested? Are you interested in delving in those? Have you done some of those? And what has been your experience? absolutely what needs to be happening right now and i think even in the aftermath of of this pandemic um hopefully when when we get it under control and and people are vaccinated and and we are able to go back and commune and in you know see live arts again i i'm hopeful that this time where we've all you know had to go into the world of of virtual everything um it it will inspire us to sort of keep keep that momentum going, you know, I, I sort of feel like with, if you are, you know, doing a musical, you know, get it, get shot because mm-hmm. then what happens is that people want to see it live. If you, if you've got something shot, you know, they, they shot um, a musical that was in previews on Broadway here and, and had to close, didn't get through their preview period, but they shot uh, Diana. Oh yes, which is a musical about Princess Diana, and it's going to be on Netflix. I think probably in January or something. Wow, that's smart. Um, yeah, it is because what's going to happen is everybody's going to see that on Netflix, and then when it comes back to Broadway, they're going to go, they're going to want to see it live. Yeah, I think it's really smart that you're thinking about the the coexistence of the digital yeah, and I, the live. I don't think they cancel each other out. I actually think. Mm. 
I think they I think they enhance each other. Yeah. You know, yeah. like Hamilton. If you saw Hamilton live, then you you wanted to see it when Disney aired it. If you didn't see Hamilton live and got to see it when Disney aired it, you're going to now want to see it live. Right, because then so, you're going to get the also for those. It, it's, it has the potential to bring in a whole. Right. expanded audience who maybe wouldn't exactly. go to a musical otherwise and now they're going to be like exactly. you know I want to see how it's different I want to see a different one I want to see a different cast do it um, that's so exactly right it opens think about up. that movie that movie remember when they did the movie of Chicago I yes. think Chicago had maybe been running maybe four years you know six or seven years yes. something yeah. like that yeah. and they, they did that movie and, yeah. and that movie opened up a whole new audience for that musical right it's amazing people yeah. like familiarity they don't issue it it's funny people think oh, they've already seen it. They're not going to go see it on stage. No, you're right. It's the other way around. If, they, if they're familiar, they've heard the tunes. You know, that's what they used to do. They used to play the songs from musicals on the radio, right? Top 40, other people would record them. Frank Sinatra, Rosemary Clooney. And then when you went to see the show, you already were humming along the tunes, right? That's right. And, and that's then, right. And then the Brits yeah. did it with the cast albums, you know, with, you know, yeah. were those Jesus Christ Superstar and all those. And so that people would, would know all the songs before they went. And nowadays, it's funny, the critics make fun of shows that are using music that's pre-existing, they, they somehow poo-poo it. And I'm thinking, well, that's the way it's always been. It was in the, you know, Cole Porter was writing, you know, jukebox musicals in the 30s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a great, great, great observation that I think that's so, so are you excited about any online projects? Do you want to dip your toe? I know you've done a few, or are you doing a few? Sorry. I don't know if you've done a few. I, I just threw that out there but um are you <laughs> i was like you've done a few i just assume you have but um are you waiting to see um or, or is there anything you can talk about or you have to keep hush hush or um well when the pandemic hit i was actually in rehearsal for a um a show uh that was we were going to do it in chicago in the springtime and then have the summer off and then open it on broadway mm. this fall mm-hmm. um and it was called once upon a time one more time Mm. Um, and it was using the canon of Britney Spears music. Oh, wow. Uh, Just what yeah. we were talking about. Okay, it's using pop music. Yeah. Oh, wow, okay. And it was, it was huh. pretty fabulous and funny. It has nothing to do with Britney Spears at okay. all. It's Good. not the Britney Spears story. It's just using her this, this her, can, her body of, of music that everybody kind of knows. Oh, there's that it's song. Original, that Britney- it's an original story. It's, very very funny clever original story mm-hmm. um, with a real feminist slant to it wow um, and I'm I'm in that playing the villainous oh wow um, okay so I'm hopeful very hopeful well, as we all on. are everybody in my cast that that will um, show back up well I'm really excited um, for that because I, I saw Head Over yeah. Heels so I was you know and that was like Go-Go's music but not I mean it was Go-Go's music but totally different story I love when they do that because I think it can open up the music as well as the show to a whole bunch of different possibilities. And, you know, people, some people might poo-poo Britney Spears, but there's some really nice music and lyrics. Uh, personally, I think in, in a lot of her work, some, there's that ballad, um, oh, I forget what it's called. Sometimes I run, sometimes I hold you, sometimes I forget. But it's like such a pretty song about, you know, being scared about uh, being in love. And, and, and so, I mean, I think it's, I think there's a lot of great stuff potential in, in, in that music. So fingers crossed, fingers crossed yeah. that it's something yeah. we might be able to see in the next season. Hope so. All this we material. Were, we, were, we were two and a half weeks into rehearsal for it. And it was pretty great. Oh, so. great. Awesome. <laughs> well, we'll be looking forward to that, Emily. That's wonderful. So uh, we're almost out of time. But if you have, if there's any 
uh, thing that you know people want to f- be updated on what you're working on or, or know more about you? And f- are you one of those people that uses social media, or do you want them just to go to your website? Or, or you know, people can people. Gosh, uh, you can follow me on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm uh, Emily S. Skinner, uh, and I also have a website. It's Emily-Skinner.com. Okay. So you know, it's... people can check me out there. Well, yeah, and see what you're up to when yeah. we get back into see what the I'm theater. Up to. And also this project you just mentioned people i'm sure you'll be posting updates or, or people can follow you to find out you know some more stuff yeah. about. It. that's great well emily thank you so much for being on american theater artists online i'm sad we're out of time but it's been so wonderful talking to you and thanks for sharing your experiences with us oh you're so welcome it was a pleasure pleasure too have a great great day <laughs> bye. thank you bye-bye